14 podcast and the boys are back the boys are back and you know what fuck it folks we're gonna cut it to one of our best interviews in my opinion with our guy eric swanson stay tuned though because we have some gate 14 talk at the end here the avery's 10 trades just some little house cleaning stuff from the gate 14 boys let's cut it to the eric swanson interview welcome back to gate 14 we are now joined by a massive massive part of our brand our guy a guy who embraced the gate 14 boys right from the jump it is my good friend eric swanson what's up swanee how we doing brother i'm good how are you guys doing good man it's been two weeks that you haven't got an article written about you so we're buzzing i mean i'm, <laughs> I'm good on the front lines here yeah we're uh we're flying high now <laughs> how's the offseason been for you man what have you been up to it's been good uh the wife and I just got back from a, like a two week trip in Italy, so we took a, kind of a last minute trip out there and had a good time with that. Got away from the kids, and now I'm uh, back home in, in the cold. I saw it snowing, Avery. Did you see that? It's snowing where Swanee is. I can believe it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. We're uh, I don't know. This time of year, it's hit or miss, man. It's either freaking. 50 60 degrees or it's could be 20 below zero it feels like where are you where are yeah. you at with daylight savings in a cold place because i think it's the worst thing of all time the sun going down before five o'clock i think daylight savings is the stupidest thing that <laughs> was ever invented whoever did whoever did that needs to just leave yeah i i mean i made the rant about it on twitter and surprisingly like the entire comment section was everyone kind of agreeing with me. So I couldn't be more out on it. And I don't think it's called daylight savings. What that was. I think it's called something standard. I got corrected in the comment section about it, but yeah, fuck that. Sh I hate it. I hate it. Avery. I hate it. It's just, there's no need for, especially when you're in a cold place, man, it's tough. If you're not doing outside stuff, uh, Swanee, when's the next time you're going to pick up a baseball or have you done that already? Have not picked up a baseball yet. Uh, here soon. Uh, as soon as I got back from Italy, started working out again. So it feels good to get to do that again. Um, I drank a lot of wine and ate a lot of food while I was there. So I need to burn some of that off. Did you uh, you pack on the LBs a little bit? Like how many? How much weight did you used to look in the mirror and be like, "Oh, I'm kind of, I'm kind of packing it a little bit now." You know, I, I thought I was going to when I had over there, but uh, we just did so much damn walking the entire time that that's what everyone says. Yeah, no, it, was, everyone it, was, says. it was a good time, though. Yeah, I mean, listen, Italy Italy rocks, but the only weird thing about it is, and obviously, I don't know if it was warm when you were there, but a lot of those places, I don't know if Avery knows this, there's no AC. Like, the only, like, the only AC you have is, like, the window unit type of thing. So if you're walking around all day and the humidity, it's really hot, you're fucked, pretty much. Like, you are pretty much fucked. Yeah, that's how it was. The first place we stopped was Venice, and they had no AC. If they did, it fucking sucked. But it was <laughs> open the windows up, and the next morning, my wife and I woke up, and we had mosquito bites all over us because there's no oh! screens. No screens, so just bugs getting in. But sorry, right, I guess. You hate to see it. You fucking so, hate to see it. We're almost at the year anniversary of you getting traded to the Toronto Blue Jays. You looking back on it. Any reflections, any thoughts you have from the trade? Just just what happened there, and then obviously how you feel being a Toronto Blue Jay at this point, because fuck, we're very, very happy to have you here. Yeah, man. Um, yeah, what is it? What's the date today? Today's the 8th? Was it like the... Was I think it was the, the 16th. 
16th. Yeah, it was uh, not something I expected to happen when it did. I got the call and, you know, it, it was my third time getting traded. So I kind of understand how it works. But um, no, I was excited right away. You know, somebody wanted me, obviously. Um, I got traded for a really good player. So I knew, I knew the, uh, I guess the value was there. And then going to a team that I played against the year before, or years before, knew that they were good. Lineup can mash. Pitching's good. Um, and then throughout the offseason, seeing the guys that they added, I was excited, man. I was really excited to get down to spring training last year. And um, the season definitely did not disappoint. So, I mean, um, we've I'm embraced you, man. But going back into getting traded for Teo, you could be honest. This is a little true circle here. How much of a tire pump is it getting traded for like a 30 plus home run guy who fucking mashes baseballs for a living? I mean, you were, it was a one for one. And then obviously the prospect as well, but that's got to boost your ego a little bit getting traded for a fucking guy like Teoscar Hernandez. Yeah. I mean, it was, it was, it was pretty cool. Um, you know, I've, I feel like I've been uh, a throw in on the first two <laughs> trades that I was a part of. Um, so I guess to be the, the guy that goes this time, was was pretty cool and then for to be a guy like Teo is, is pretty cool too obviously I played against him for the last few years and he um I mean he mashes balls he's not a fun guy to face but um no it was it was cool man I mean I was excited from the get-go it was it was all all good things you haven't you have any issues living in Canada changing it up there what do you like about living in Canada what do you dislike about being in Canada um, I, my wife and I enjoyed Toronto a lot this year, man. I mean, it's, it's a cool city. It's clean. It's safe for the most part. I mean, when you talk about most major U S cities, you can't compare them to Toronto. It's not even close in my opinion. Um, there's just, there's a lot of stuff to do. It's good food there. It's, it's very diverse. Um, I love Toronto and then, you know, that's just outside of baseball, obviously, but then you go to the Rogers center and, and, you know, that place is happening every single game we're playing. Seems like whether it's a, a Tuesday night loony dog night or it's a it's a freaking Saturday series against the Yankees, it's the same crowd. It's it's, it's wild. Yeah, it, it, it's absolutely. I mean, listen, especially you coming out of the bullpen, it adds a little bit to it, especially with the situations that you always pitched in and stuff like that. But going back into the Toronto stuff, like, do. Do you like living in a city? I mean, you're like a, you're like a country guy, right? You live like I'm assuming you live on like a massive farmland wherever you're at and stuff like that. Do you prefer living in the city or is it like too much for you? Um, it's during the season I get a good taste of it. I'll, I'll say that it's you know being home right now. Like I love where I'm at right now. It's it's nice. I'm away from from all the traffic and people running around like crazy it's nice to just be out here and be able to do whatever I want to do. I can go outside and pretty much do whatever the heck I want to do. I don't have to worry about other people. Um, but there are nice things during the season when you're in the cities, traveling from city to city, you know, you're, you're getting good food. You got restaurants to go to good bars to go to. Um, maybe not good bars. I know you guys are big in, on, uh, what is Paris, it? Paris, Texas. Paris, Texas. Paris, Texas. <laughs> I always see you tweeting that. I always see you tweeting that. That's not my type of place. I'm more of a dive bar guy. Yeah, listen, I know Swanee. Well, we I got mean, plenty of those too. We got plenty of those. <laughs> I could take you to those too. But you know what? You know what Ernie said. Ernie said that a little bit of a tire pump for you here. 
your condo is the spot. You guys watch Monday Night Football there and shit. Like you had, you had, you had the team over there a couple of weeks ago, I believe, right? Is your condo the fucking spot? Because I mean, me and Avery wouldn't know. But I'm, <laughs> is that the spot? It's it was it was a, it was a nice spot. It was a nice spot. <laughs> we we got lucky with it. We got really lucky with it. Um, I, I'm hoping I'll, I get to go there again next year. We'll see what the guy says. But yeah, it was it was a, it was a good spot. I didn't have any of the guys over till towards the end of the season because you know my wife and kids were there majority of the time. Um, but at the end there, they all went home, so I, I had to have the boys over for a night. What's the uh, what's it like watching the game from the bullpen? Are you would you much rather watch it from the bullpen or from the dugout if you had to choose? Because I feel like you miss out on some stuff when you're in. That's a great question. Eh? No bullpen all day. Bullpen really? all day. Because you can just shoot the shit, and not worry like the hitters can go fuck themselves. Yeah, I mean, it, it also depends on who you are. Um, there's there's about a there's a time throughout the game where. It, each and every person kind of picks their own slot where it's time to lock it in and quit dicking around. But in the dugout, they're missing out on the stuff that we're doing because the cameras are always on them. Yeah. You know what I mean? They always got to stay locked in. They can't be screwing off too much. Um, not like we're out there screwing off, but you know, each guy has their, their separate parts like Romano. If it's the fifth inning and on, don't even talk to him. Just leave him alone because he's locked in. He's ready to go. Um, and then, obviously, the game dictates that a little bit. But for the most part, like, the crew we had down there this year was pretty pretty loose. Like, we're all talking to each other and, and bullshitting throughout the game. Um, I don't know if there's even pictures out there or not, but if you've seen our bullpen, what they did with it, it's unbelievable. We got our own little back room back there with a coffee machine, and snacks, TV back there. Um, it's killer, man. It's really cool. That is so sick. And speaking about Romano, I wanted to talk about that. What was your first experience like with Romano? Like the first time you saw him in a game or like warming up and stuff like that? Were you just in the back of your mind like this guy's a fucking crazy person? Because I mean, he, he really, I mean, he is, but you got to be kind of to be a closer. Yeah. The first time that I ever remember. So I played against most of those guys coming up because when I was with the Yankees in the minor leagues, I was in Tampa. A lot of those guys were in Dunedin. So I played against Bo, Vlad, um, Romano. Jano was a year ahead of me. I never played against him. But a, a lot of other guys had kind of been through the system. Um, but the first time I remember watching Romano throw was last – sorry, not – I guess, yeah, 2022 was a wild card series in Toronto uh, when he came out to his entrance. And that was back when he could take his time a little bit before the pitch clock. And Romano had that real slow jog in. Um and at the time, I was like, holy shit, like, this guy's taking his time coming in here. Um, so I remember first first getting into spring training, we have meetings, whatever. We're talking about the rule changes. And everybody's busting Romano's balls like, hey, you got to speed that jog up a little bit now with the pitch clock. <laughs> Is he uh, – you don't really hear about Jordan Romano anything. He's a pretty quiet guy. But is he like that off the field as well? No. No. Romy – Romy's awesome, man. I mean, we had a we had a good like a good thing going with everybody in our bullpen between Romy and and Mesa and um, Simber, Trev. Like we all get along really well, which you know isn't I guess it doesn't happen everywhere. Um, and I think that kind of speaks to what we have going on right now in our bullpen. Um, you know, not everybody can say the same thing, and I, I think that's a a big reason why we were as good as we were this year, but. 
Romy, Romy likes to let loose a little bit when it's, when he's away from the field, he can, he can let loose a little bit, but when it's time to work, it's ready to work. He's a big dart guy, which I respect the fuck out of him, him ripping darts in the clubhouse. We've seen pictures of and stuff like that. <laughs> That's all you need to do to get in my good graces. You could blow a million saves. If you're ripping darts in the clubhouse, you're my guy. But speaking about the bullpen, I know I'm just asking questions about these guys. Well, there's a man that we call silver Fox. He kind of just came out of fucking nowhere this year, started shoving like he was a fucking prime K-Rod. What would, What is Trevor Richards like? There is nothing out there on this guy. Like, no one has any clue. What is the Silver Fox like? He's, uh, Trev's like, he's quiet, but, like, once you get to know him, he you get him out of the shell a little bit. Like, he's he can have a little bit of fun, too. He's, he's a good dude. He, uh. Family man. I mean, he's not getting too crazy. He's not going to be a guy that you see out on social media, or he's not going to be be a guy that you see, you know, probably ripping darts in the clubhouse, or whatever. But uh, <laughs> he's he's good shit, man. I love Trevor. He's awesome. But when you say you get to know these people, is this because you're busting everyone's balls in the bullpen? Because we've heard that's what that's, that's what, what everyone like I know says that you are. You're the busting balls guy, which is what I respect. I'm the same guy. Um. Yeah, sometimes, <laughs> sometimes. I mean, if I if I like you, I'm probably busting your balls. Yeah, you're good. You do that with me. Like I said, you you chirp me the most out of anyone I know. So it, it it is a good little back and forth that we got going there. But I want to talk about this because Avery talked about this before the interview. You mentioned it to me. You were just 21 years old playing junior college baseball. Um, were you just buying booze for all the boys? Like, what was it like being a 21 year old? Because my team had a 25 year old who we just thought was like the weirdest kid ever. No disrespect if he's listening, but like you be the 21 year old there. How, like, what was that like for you? Like playing with like 18, 19 year olds. I, I wasn't the oldest guy there actually. And I wasn't 21. I was 20 when I was in college. I didn't turn 21 until I got into pro Bowl. Um, But I was not the oldest guy there. We had a couple, couple transfers from big D one schools that came in that were 22, 23, whatever. Um, but Juco was the best, man. Juco was oh. awesome. Oh, I love it. Juco you went, was... But the thing is, though, I went to like a – not no disrespect to McCook, but like a bottom-tier Juco. You went to fucking Iowa Western, who's been like a wagon forever. So what, what do you think makes Iowa Western Community College like so good? Is it like the facilities you guys have? I know you guys are pretty good facilities. Like what made it so good? Yeah, well, what you don't know is I transferred. I was at a different junior college my freshman year, probably pretty similar to a McCook. I was at Wabash Valley in Mount Carmel, Illinois, a town of like 300 people. It was tiny. So you're, you know, your typical junior college, what you think of. But um, Western was cool, man. Like I had an opportunity to go there. I went on as, as a walk-on, I believe, um, like super last minute, middle of the summer going into my sophomore year. And Reardon, who I had there at the time, he'd been there for a while and he's at Western Kentucky now, but he just, he runs a tight ship type of thing. And, you know, he's all about the program. And then probably the first time I actually got into a weight room, I guess, when I was there, when I was at Iowa, or at uh, Wabash Valley, we didn't have a weight room. It was, you know, the upstairs of the gym that had maybe like three dumbbells and a, and a barbell rack, something like that. But um, we had it good at, at Iowa Western. We always called it a, a glorified high school is kind of what it was, but it was, it was cool. It was a good time. I mean, you guys, you guys won a national championship. Did you not? Yeah, we did. We did. We had a squad that year. We had, we had some really good guys. 
Is that is that up there with your baseball memories, like some of the best you've ever had? Yeah, for sure, because that was probably the first memory I had that was something significant. It would have been that year. Um, the the team that we had was unbelievable. We don't, we went on a crazy run. We got to Grand Junction in the World Series, and well, we were down like seven nothing the first game. We came back and won, and then we didn't lose the rest of the tournament. Um, it was good. We just went on a really good run while we were there. But yeah, that's that's up there for me. Do you think? Did you guys do all the crazy conditioning that you hear? juco teams do yes we do. Do you th- don't do you think even that makes you a better it? baseball player don't even talk no. about it because it makes me sick just it's even so bad it. <laughs> so fucking bad some do, of the we shit. had we had ncaa rules so i never had to do what you guys did but the stories the juco guys would tell you about the condition omaha? no you didn't do the road to omaha <laughs> no we did no because we were carry that was our division two so oh, we did okay. like the yeah the carry challenge it was like the worst week of your life it's but so yeah, sick. picture that every single fucking week. I remember I, I remember in the fall, we did this thing where we would practice for three hours, go to the weight room, and our coach, J.O., who I'm, I'm going to try, I'm going to get him on here on, at some point. He'd make us do four sets of 20 on squat at 285, and then we'd have to run two miles there and back. And I shit you not, there was kids legitimately crawling back the last half of the mile. Like, you, you and it was just, pu- everyone was puking on the mile. Dude, JUCO conditioning, these coaches, it doesn't make you any better. It doesn't make no. you the slightest bit better. They just do it to see who's the who's the pussies and who's the real adults that are at this school. Yeah, yeah. Who's got a set of nuts, who doesn't type of thing. Um, but junior colleges get away with some stuff that nobody else can get away with because nobody cares to go look at these junior colleges. Yeah. Oh, yeah. There was uh, – I remember there was – they don't steroid test you, so a couple of the kids that we'd face, like, were just, like, old fucks, just wanted to go in and just rake. So you'd be like, this this kid's just not natural, like, at all. Like, there, there's nothing. There's no testing. That's what no one understands. There is no testing at JUCOs, at least from where I was at. No, I remember facing guys that were, like, 23 years old. I was like, this guy looks like a 35-year-old man. <laughs> where, what is he doing? He's got forearms the size of my freaking quads, and he's out here hitting 30 home runs in a junior college season. But- Wild, dude. Were you a were you a splitter guy in junior college? Like, when did you learn that pitch? Have you always been a splitter guy, or who who kind of taught you that? No, I didn't learn my splitter until uh, I was with Seattle, twenty twenty. Oh hell yeah! So I threw a, a circle change when I was a starter in nineteen, and that went great, which is why I'm still a starter, obviously. Um, <laughs> but basically, came down to your your changeup fades way more than it needs to your fastball rides it doesn't have the same look out of the hand guys are shutting it down we needed to develop something different and it was start to throw a splitter well I couldn't I have tiny ass hands I mean my hands are probably one of the tiniest that you've seen for for a pitcher and I couldn't get around the baseball so I was basically throwing a two seam so for that year it was kind of shitty we didn't have time really to develop anything we started in spring training got sent home then went back the end of 2020 um and then i remember the 2020 off season i'd drive around in my pickup and i'd have a baseball between my fingers just trying to stretch my fingers out whether i go to the grocery store or wherever i'd go if i'm out hunting whatever i had a baseball between my hands um and then 2021 i started i started the year at the alt site that's when we still had the alt sites um 
spend pretty much the whole first month there. And then as soon as AAA broke, I got called up and it just kind of clicked from there. Unfortunately, I got hurt early on that year. Um, and then last year, 22 was really the year that it, it took off for me, stayed consistent and, um, you know, got a better feel for it again this year. So is there, is there anything more degrading on the planet than a coach looking at you in the eye and saying, listen, man, you're just, you're not a starter. You're, you're going to get moved to the bullpen. Like, how did you take that? Like, did you take that a little bit hard at, at the start of it? Or were you just like, fuck, now I get to just let it eat for like an inning or two here? Um, no, it sucked at first because that's what that's all I knew. You know, I think I was a reliever for my sh- first short season when I got drafted out of junior college. But because of inning limits type of thing, you know, hey, you're going to go to the bullpen, get your work in. Um, but that's all I ever knew. So going from – all the way up the system, whatever, high school, college, all the way up pro ball system, and then finally debut as a starter, you know, that's kind of what I had my my eyes set on the entire time. And then five, six starts in, that all just went horrendously. You know, I kind of saw the writing on the wall type of thing, get option, get down to AAA, hey, we're going to move you to the pen. It sucks, but, um, you know, I took the time to, to kind of be pissed off about it. I took a couple of days and um luckily had some guys down there with me to kind of point me in the right direction and say hey like if you're gonna sit down here and, and bitch and pout about this the entire time then you're not gonna get called back up um take it with a grain of salt and you know do what you need to do to, to figure something out and you'll be back up and luckily a month later I was back up in the big leagues out of the bullpen um and then had a few shuffles the next couple of years but nothing crazy it's got to feel good closing games, though, having the opportunity to do that. You had four saves this year. That's, I mean, I think closing games feels a lot better than you start a game, five innings, you're out of there, right? Yeah, it's uh, it's a different feeling for sure. Um, you know, it's the only thing I can really compare it to that I do most often is, you know, coming in the eighth, setting up for Romano in a, in a tight ball game or, you know, because that's my rush is doing that. So when you come out to, to close the game out, it's a little bit different, um, but it's like, well, shit, you're not setting up anything for anybody. Like, this is it. You got to kind of put up right now or or your team's not going to win the game. So it, it puts a little bit more pressure on it. But, you know, as a bullpen guy, that's kind of what we thrive for. We love that pressure. Was, was, one, of the, was one of the saves the Red Sox game in Fenway? Oh yeah, the Reese McGuire fly ball. (laughs) What a fucking moment! I texted you about that right after I said, "What the fuck was that?" Well, now, (laughs) now he's the third base coach for the Blue Jays. Yeah, you got to tip your cap to him. You got to tip your cap and thank him, brother. That was yeah. What a moment! What were you thinking in that moment? Like, did did you realize that Reese McGuire thought it was out? He was celebrating around like third, and you were like, "The fuck is guy?" Like, what were you thinking there? Um. Well, at first I thought it was going out. So that was my first, my first thought. And then I saw KK camped at the wall. I was like, okay, so he has a chance. He caught it. And then I turned and I saw Reese kind of round in third. Um, but he was watching the ball. He wasn't watching the coach. So I don't know where the – I don't know where it got mixed up, what happened with, with who, who said what. Um, but I saw KK catch the ball, and Reese is right in front of me down the line, and I'm just pointing at second base. I'm like, I can't believe you guys just gifted me this. But – Take him, take him if when you can get him, I guess. P- pitching in the AL, actually, yeah, pitching in the AL beast now, as I call it. What is like, 
what's what stadiums fans give it the worst to you? Like what what are the fans that are like? Because obviously you're in the bullpen now, and I think I honestly think Matt Festa told me this story where he had a fan spit on him at Yankee Stadium. I don't know if that's if that was him or someone else, but I have heard stories about that. What stadium is the worst for you? Um, yeah, probably Yankee Stadium. <laughs> Although at Fenway, I had a guy steal my glove this year. What what? Yeah, I had a guy. I had so Fenway. The bullpens are really tight, and I always put my glove in weird places. I just I don't know. I just do it. And I had my glove up on the top of the whatever the the roof above us out in the bullpen. And security guard comes like I don't know seventh inning. I think I was down that day maybe. And he said, "Hey, is this one of your guys' gloves?" I was like, "Yeah, that's my glove." He goes, some guy just took it, and uh, we chased after him and got it back for you. So I was like, thanks. <laughs> what the fuck? Yeah. Oh, my God, dude. That is the most absurd thing I've ever heard. I mean, I mean, how, how do you even pull that off? I guess the, I've never been to Fenway, so I don't know how close that is and stuff like that. But that is fucking crazy. I mean, even playing at Fenway, is it? Because I heard like the the like the clubhouse is fucking so small. You're all like crammed in together, obviously with the history of it and stuff like that. Your first time at Fenway, what was that like? Uh yeah, my first time was in nineteen. I was starting. And it was a Friday night game. It was like I think it was like my fourth start. Um and I remember I remember that being pretty crazy, just being there. Um, Friday night game. I think it was the first night of the series. Didn't have any time to soak it in. It was just like, all right, you're in it or whatever. Started the game, no game before that. Um, it was pretty awesome. But for me, I think like my favorite moment at Fenway, I don't remember what night it was. It was one of the trips we were there this year. Um, I jogged in in the eighth to pitch while they were swing, singing Sweet Caroline, and that was sick. I remember Holy standing shit. down like, this is cool. What do, Dude, you think that is, uh, what do you think is more Mickey Mouse of a ballpark? Fenway left field or Yankee Stadium right field? Like what what pisses you off more? Um trying to think who I've given up home runs to. Um I don't know, man. I've seen some I've seen some crazy home runs at Yankee Stadium to right field. 80 on our exit Vila. I don't remember. Her, it was 2022. I remember watching um, Paul Seawall give up a, a home run to Joey Gallo that had like, I don't know, maybe like a .050 expected <laughs> batting average that went out right down the line. And I was like, what is going on here? Um, but, yeah, I've seen some crazy home runs hit there. Absurd. But I, I want to talk about our guy, Pistol Pete Walker, maybe the greatest pitching coach in Blue Jays history. Is that a crazy take, Avery? I, I don't think it has been here since I was like five years old. What is our what is Pistol Pete like? Because I've heard this dude is an absolute fucking wild card. He just lets it eat. I mean, the guy produces fucking pitchers like it's nothing. Did he help you a lot? Yeah. I mean, honestly, every every guy that's directly involved with the pitchers this year was great, but Pete is the man. Um, I knew the first time I met him that I was gonna get along with him. He's just your old school kind of hard nosed guy. I mean, you you watch you watch kind of how he is during games. I mean, he's an intense guy. Like he's passionate about the game. He's passionate about his pitchers that are on the mound. He's super knowledgeable. I mean, look at look at some of the pitchers who've come through here over the last, you know, 10, 15 years that he's worked with hands on directly, starters, relievers. 
I mean, how many? What have we had four years in a row where there's been a Cy Young candidate that that it's he's safe. worked with? Um, he's great, man. He knows his shit. He's good. He's like I said, he's like a really good mix between old school and new school. So he can sit there and talk to you about something just like face to face based off of what you're doing, what he sees with his own eyes. And then he's good with the new school stuff too. He's good with all the analytics stuff with track man, rap Soto, all that stuff. So he, he knows the the difference between the two, but, but can find that comparison between the two as well. He's great, man. That's like, seems like the perfect mix of what people want, right? Some of the old school look and the new school stuff. What's some of the new school stuff that you like to look at to kind of uh, go through even what of it like pitch sequencing or pitch shape? What, what do you look at uh, for your stuff? Um, I mean, for the most part, like there's, there's two things that I'm looking at majority of the time. And it's actually mostly one. It's just pitch movement is what it is. Um, since I've kind of understood that over the you know, the last few years, what my stuff does when it plays the best, I'm looking at, okay, on my heater, I'm trying to get around 20 inches of vert. If I'm right there, then, then I'm perfect. In the off season, if I'm throwing bullpens, bullpens on a rap soto, and right there, it's like, it's always tilt for me, my hand tilt for the first probably month of the, of the off season, trying to get it back. Um, when I start leaking, then I'm not getting as much ride type of thing. And then the other pitch is my splitter. Like I'm trying to get close to to zero VB as I possibly can. Um, but those are the only things I ever look at are just those two. Because if I can be where I need to be with both of those pitches, then that's when I'm at my best. And, I mean, we're talking about the splitter and stuff like that. You have a guy on your staff, Kevin Gossman, who has the most fucking insane splitter in baseball, 53.2%, I believe, chase rate out of the zone. Credit to me, Johnny Stack guy. I just pulled that up right now. Um, has you picked his brain like on his splitter, how he throws it and stuff like that? Cause it's, it, it's the best in baseball by about 10, by like 10%. Yeah. Um, so, and I'm sure you probably can find this in an interview somewhere, but I, when I started learning my splitter, Gosman's grip was the grip that I went to. I remember watching a video with him. I don't remember if it was on pitching ninja or who it was with, but it was with somebody he's talking to him about his grip um showing grips and i immediately went to that and throw a very similar grip to him but i just kind of tweaked a few different things that worked best for me um so i always joke around with gazi like hey man you saved my career and you don't even know it because because if i didn't have a splitter to be frank i probably wouldn't be in the big leagues anymore so that pitch did save my career if i didn't have that i'd be out of the game for sure i mean he is he same because I always thought his setup was two different fingers, right? Like it was between the middle and ring finger. He did something weird with it too, or is he? he no, so he's normally? like, he's like, he's like right here with it, probably. Yeah. So between these two, but he like will curl his finger under that's, the ball. That's what it is. I can't do that. I just ball won't come in. So I started going here, and then I actually brought these fingers up to kind of guide guide the ball, like right there. Does he, have massive, does he have massive hands? Is that his thing? Um, I don't even know. Yeah, he's got he's got pretty he's got long fingers, so he's able to kind of get around the baseball a little better. I yeah, feel, I feel like the splits this... are like a huge huge pitch that everyone seems to be adding right now. It's kind of the the big the sweeper and kind of people going back to the split, right? 
yeah, it was the pitch that was popular. I feel like in the eighties and nineties got away from it a little bit. And then now everybody's starting to throw it again. Do you, so this is, this is just my dumb brain question here. Um, obviously I went the analytics now I'm going away from it. When you're throwing bullpen, you're warming up in the bullpen and you're throwing that splitter. Do you have moments where you're like, this shit is unfucking hittable today? Like, do you think, are, are you trying not to think about that to get in your own head? I do, but it's very rare because there's been many times where I've thought that and I've gone out and it's just been terrible. It's been <laughs> absolutely terrible. Um, and then there's been times where I've been warming up in the bullpen where everything's been shit. And then you go out and you're just, you're dialed in. You're, um, I don't know. It's like, it's like you're just placing the ball where you want it to go. Like you're just reaching out and you're putting it exactly where you want it to go. Um, but yeah, usually like once or twice a year, I'll be warming up in the bullpen and you kind of get that feeling. You're like, okay, this is, this is my night tonight. Nobody's going to touch me. Um, but it's very rare that that happens. Like I, I say once or twice a year, you know, I had 60 plus appearances this year, so it doesn't happen quite often. All right. I got to ask a stupid baseball question. Most major league mounds, they should be exactly the same, right? Is there any ones that you go on? And it's like this, this just doesn't feel the same as some of the other mounds you play on. Yeah, I feel like the biggest changes are when you're, when the climates change. Okay. To me, that's the biggest thing. So most of them are, you know, they're supposed to be the same height and, and all that stuff. Um, I'm, I'm sure they get as close as they possibly can to that. You know, you go to some places, I think a lot of it depends on like the backstop too, how close the backstop is. Sometimes it just feels closer it feels maybe like you're a little bit higher everything's a little closer to you um but to me the big one is always going from the pen to the game mound because there are plenty of mounds bullpen mounds throughout the league that are not the same as the game mound and that's kind of what pisses me off because it's like okay if you're spending as much time as you are out in the bullpen on the mounds whether you're a starting pitcher a bullpen guy um why are those not the exact same? Why are we having a mound that's about as flat as they can get out in the bullpen, and then you're going out and you're throwing off a regular mound in a game? Um, that's when I have a problem with it. Do you think yeah. they do that on purpose at some away parks? I don't know. <laughs> Who knows? Probably. <laughs> they definitely do. And I, Johnny Stock Guy just pulled this up right here. So listen, Swanee, in your career, you've had two big league at bats. Two. All right. Um, not the greatest numbers here. You're over two with a punch out. Do you miss hitting a little bit? Cause I mean, obviously you, you're putting up Johnny G numbers. You can't swing it. I mean, what were those at bats like for you? Um, I, it was 2019. It was in San Diego. And I remember being absolutely scared shitless. It was the most, it was, I was way more nervous than my debut, any of that stuff. Um, <laughs> cause I hadn't picked up a bat since high school. So it had been, I don't know, six years since I had even touched a bat or swung a bat. Um, and I had, what, three days to get ready for it and take light BP in the, in the cage. And even when I did take BP, it was, hey, don't swing out of your shoes because we don't want you to get hurt. So it's like, all right, I'm in there just flipping my wrist pretty much. Um, but yeah, I remember. Do you remember who it was against? Do you remember who you were facing? Yeah, um, Mark, Nick Mark Gavich. I don't even know how to say his last name. He's my teammate. If he watches this, he's gonna be like, "What the fuck?" But, um, yeah, it was against it was against him, and I actually gave up a hit to him that game. No, dude. 
You yeah, hate to tough. fucking see it. You it hate tough. to see it. What, what was the out? Was it a ground out? Um, I bunted. It was supposed to be a sack bunt, but it went about three inches in front of the plate, and the guy didn't advance, so I got thrown out. <laughs> <laughs> oh, but, that is out. That's a luxury. It? it was uh no the same at bat. Yeah, the same at bat. I had uh, Malik Smith on first, and then he took off. And I was supposed to bunt, but I pulled back. He was safe at second. So heads up play by me. You did your job. You did your yeah. job. I, yeah. You just got you just gotta let the quick guys run, man. You you know how to handle it there. That's right. What's the uh what are the off season plans, fixes, changes for you, just getting healthy, staying healthy type thing? Yeah, honestly, just build off of what I did this year. Um, you know, had some talks with the strength staff towards the end of the year, kind of what we're, what the goals are for this offseason in the weight room. Um, nothing too crazy different, but I guess just a few different things that are a little bit more in depth. Um, we're adding a few different things this year. I'm going to go mostly off of their, I guess, plans this year. Um, which I'm looking forward to. I have a little bit more structure than I normally would. Um, so I'm excited for that. They've been, they've been going good so far. And so it'll be fun to see how everything goes once I'm down in Florida in January. I want to talk about one of my favorite Eric Swanson appearances. It was, it was on September 30th. This is how big of a Swanee guy. I remember this shit. 4-4 game, right, against the Rays, top of the six. The Jays bring you in. It's a tie game. Obviously, you're fighting for that wild card spot, all that type of stuff. You come in first and third, one out. You kind of get in a little jam there. You give up. You give up a ground, uh, a ground ball double play to Randy or Rosarena. In those moments like that, do you, do you have like out of body experiences? Because I talked, I, I'm buddies with Tyler Matzik, and he told me that Dodgers game. He just jumped up on the mound and like celebrated. He doesn't remember any of that stuff. When you're coming off the mound, do you remember like the fist pumps you do or the let's fucking goes that you do that the camera catches? Like, do you remember all that stuff? I do because for me, it's very rare that I do that. I'm usually, I don't know. I feel like when I come off the mound, I'm usually like stone faced the entire time. It's got to be a big situation for me to get fired up. Um, every year, I definitely have a handful of them, but it's got to be, I mean, big, big situation for me to, for me to do that. Um, that was one of them for sure. But yeah, when stuff like that happens, and in big situations, big time of the year too, when we're fighting for that spot, um, yeah, you're you're fired up all the way. But yeah, usually you have those those blackout moments where after it happens, it's like you see a picture that's posted on online, and you're like, shit, I did that. <laughs> but now it's it's uh, those moments are they're they're pretty cool. You look back on this year. Is there an outing that always comes to your mind? Like that was fucking awesome. Just your kind of your most memorable moment from you you think this season uh yeah i would say my my most memorable moment would have been that series against seattle in toronto um through back-to-back nights i had a good outing the night the first night um i think i threw the eighth inning whatever and then it was the second night that i threw i want to say it was the 10th inning um runner on second and I struck out the side and that was to me that was uh was a cool moment um not because like any bad blood or anything but just like former team uh it was one of our I think it was one of the first series that we had in Toronto. Early, yeah. Yeah. yeah and 
big crowd that night. I remember, and I remember I got pretty fired up after that. Uh, that guy gives me chills, man. But another big moment, obviously, not to get sentimental here, but I did want to talk about this because I texted about it with you. Uh, was your son throwing out the first pitch with Tim Mays' son? Did you have any idea that was happening? Because I remember you telling me it was like a surprise. You were like, did they just tell you to go out behind home plate? Like, what happened there? Yeah, I had no idea. So Tim and I catch. It's either Tim or it's me who catches the first pitch. That's kind of why, like why do they make you do that? They don't. We just kind of do it. They'll ask, like early on. They asked us, and then it just kind of became a thing where it was like, all right, Tim's not doing. It, I'll do it. If Swanee's not doing it, then I'll do it. Type of thing. Um, and then it got to the point where we, we kept tallies, and at the end of the year, we were going to see who had the most. Um, I had the most, by the way. Um, <laughs> but uh, no, neither one of us knew that it was happening. And then we were both supposed to catch together, which is the only thing that they told us. And usually I always ask who it is because I want to know who it is. Um, and I'm walking down the tunnel, and Biggio walks by me. He's like, hey, is your son throwing out the first pitch today? Oh, he I was it. like, I was like, no, I don't think so. He's he's standing right there, and I walk up the the dugout, and my son's standing right at the top step, and I was like, holy shit, he is throwing it out. But no, that was that was cool. That was a special moment for me for sure. Does your son and I, my dumbass asked Jano last year, is his son aware that his he's his dad's a big leader? He's like Johnny, my son's fucking one. I don't know <laughs> if you heard that on the podcast, but I was like, he's like, what are you talking about? Is your son aware? like a little bit aware at least that his dad's like a big leaguer and his dad's in the show and all that type of stuff. Um, I, he's definitely aware of what I do. Yeah. I, whether or not he knows the difference between like a normal baseball, like high school baseball, college baseball, or, or major league baseball. <laughs> I don't know. Um, but yeah, he definitely is aware of what I do. He knows, you know, the baseball field, he knows we're going to the stadium. Um, some teams he kind of knows who we're playing against, but, you know, he'll be he'll be four in January, so he's getting to that age where he's starting to understand a lot a lot more now, which is cool. Does he have I, any I gotta favorite go players on the team? Any any guys that he that are like the nicest to him that he's like, that's my guy right there? Um trying to think he loves Belt. He loves Belt because he <laughs> love loves his kids. So anytime he's around, Belt always talks to him and he thinks Belt's pretty cool. <laughs> I think a lot of people think Brandon Belt's pretty cool. How did how are you guys? together is because i think it sounds like you two are pretty similar and liking to bust people's balls belt he's the man um the i remember i remember like early on in spring training when he came in he's kind of you know a little bit more serious you know just got there whatever he's supposed to be the vet all this stuff it's supposed to be serious um and then like as each week went by you could start to like really see who brandon belt is come out a little bit and then, um, you know, getting together dinners or um, some certain like team functions that we had early on, um, you know, his his side comes out and then you get in the clubhouse. And he's he's a gem, man. He's fun to be around. He's I mean, Jano told us he was aware of the nickname we had for him. And obviously we, we tweeted it a lot. So I'm sure that the, that the world the word out there was uh, known that we call him the cock. We're going back to baseball stuff here. Obviously, last year you threw your most innings. Uh, we made the joke always in the podcast, like Swanee's arm's gonna fucking fall off. I always just ask you when we're on the field, like, how's your arm feeling? What was that like for you? I mean, obviously, you pitched so many goddamn innings. I mean, was that like a tough, like, did you have to change your routine or like what went into that? Um, 
Yeah, I did throw a lot. It was definitely the most that I've ever thrown in my life. Um, but, you know, it's kind of one of those things where, like, you want the ball to go to you. When when those situation comes up, you want to be the guy that they go to. Uh, you never say no um, unless you absolutely have to one day. But, you know, I don't think I had to say no one time all year. And that's that's the great thing with, with Pete and, and Jeff and Dave and, and Schneids. Like, they all have a, a really good – sense of protecting guys especially in the bullpen um they know that they're not they're not gonna i guess abuse you essentially um but yeah i mean i threw a lot and it just i would say most of it came down to just me having a little bit better routine this year during like in season um you know after i pitched i was always in the weight room always doing stuff in the training room. It was just me, I think, taking care of my body a little bit better this year that allowed me to do that. Um, unfortunately, I had that fluke back thing towards the end of the year that, you know, for whatever reason, it, it flared up on me and, and it happened. But I guess having a 15 days off there probably wasn't the worst thing in the world going to part of the season that we were getting to. Yeah. And, I mean, going into the team stuff and all that type of shit, I mean, we talk about it all the time on the podcast about the – the plane and the card games and stuff like that. Are you rolling with the high roller card games? Or are you with the the little minor league guys up there, like uh, like Schneids and fucking Ernie and Horowitz stuff like that? Are you a card guy? I am a cards card guy. I'm at the B table though. Oh, there's three. Is there no, three or is there two? There's two. There's a there's an A table and there's a B table. Um, I like I sit right next to Jano on the plane when we when we play cards. Um. And there's four of us there, sometimes five if a guy sits sits in the aisle or whatever. But yeah, I'm at the B table. I can't yeah. I can't can't be rolling at the A table. Hey, who's at the A table? I know Belt is there. I know Gossman's there. Is our guy Bassett there? Am I gonna mention that to, to him on Fortnite tonight about the table or what? Um yeah, Bassett I think sometimes fluctuates over to the A table. <laughs> is, it, is, it, is it based on skill or based on, on salary here? Um I think certain guys will tell you differently on, on, on certain things. Um, I think our table is definitely the, the skilled table of, of the two. Um, but yeah, it, it's, it may have switches up a little bit. This is a dumb question. We always hear about like the customs and all that type of stuff. You guys having to travel and go through customs. How much does that suck? Or is that just, cause I know you guys, might, you guys get your like separate type of customs, right? Where you're just kind of in and out and all that type of stuff. But like how how much of a hassle is that, especially when you're like flying in and it's like two a.m. You have to go to a border agent and not answer questions and all that type of stuff. Is it as much of a hassle as people say it is? Um, going into the U.S. is a lot more difficult. Um, I say difficult. It's normal customs that that everybody goes through. Um, for the for the most part, some places we go, we'll go through like private airport or something. Um, but some of the bigger cities you go through a normal airport and you just, it just takes a little bit longer. Uh, but coming back to Toronto is, is usually pretty quick because we come back to the same airport the entire time. Um, however many years they've been doing it. So they have the system figured out and it's quick and efficient. You get there and a certain amount of guys get off the plane at, at once and you go through and, um, you know, talk to your border agent, whatever, give them everything and good to go. Yeah. I mean, yeah, that makes sense. But go, another thing with baseball, I wanted to talk about the two catchers. Obviously you throw to Jano and you throw to Kirk and stuff like that. How hard is it to, because obviously the Jays have a two catcher tandem and stuff like that. 
what are some differences with like Jano and Kirk? Like are some are is like Jano and Kirk difference in like familiarity with you and stuff like that? Is there one you're more comfortable with? Obviously, you won't say which one, but is there like a little bit of a difference between both of them? Like do you are, do you click more with one or like where where are you at with both of them? Um, I, I I've never been a guy that is going to sit there and and like tell you that I need to throw to one catcher more than another. Um, you know, I've there's very few catchers that I've had throughout my career that I haven't enjoyed throwing to. And usually if I haven't enjoyed throwing to them, it's probably because we haven't had like the greatest relationship or something, but Kirky and Jano, I love throwing to both of them. Kirky's a machine back there. Jano's a machine back there. Um, obviously Jano and I have a really good relationship off the field as well. Um, you know, he's a guy that I bullshit with a lot and I bust his balls all the time. He busts my balls. And, uh, so him and I, like, we'll be laughing at each other on the mound back and forth, warming up, stuff like that. Um, so we keep it loose, which is nice because you come into some bigger situations and, you know, you get to throw to a guy like that and it kind of reminds you like, all right, take a, take a step back and, and just enjoy the moment or whatever. But no, throwing to both those guys is, is, you know, very similar in my opinion. I think every single pitcher on the staff will tell you the same thing. Yeah. I mean, that makes sense. I, and another thing with Jano, I mean, Obviously, you you boys, you guys both share familiarity with Gate 14 and stuff like that. Did Jano put you on to Gate 14? Because you followed us first, and then obviously I went bananas, and I, I DM'd you and all that type of stuff, because now, now you're my guy. But how did you find out about Gate 14? Like, just you're online a lot. So did you see it through all that? Type, see the crazy shit that we do or what? Honestly, I don't even remember. Do you remember when it was, when I followed you guys? It was like early, early on into the season, I'm pretty sure. Right, Abe? Because I remember we yeah, texted, yeah, I FaceTimed you right after. I thought... A lot of our followers make like these fake Twitter names, like of players and stuff like that. So I thought it was a fake one, oh, but I realized the, you gotta do the you. YouTube talk too. Yeah, yeah, you were locked in there when you were injured. But yeah, I'm assuming it was the fucked up videos we always make about just the reactions and stuff like that. Yeah, probably. I probably liked like the stuff that you guys were putting out there, so I gave you a follow. But I do remember when I followed you guys, or maybe when you reached out to me, I asked Jano about you guys uh, because I think you had said that you're pretty tight with Jano. So I asked him to make sure that you weren't like a serial killer or anything. <laughs> yeah, now we're boys. But one other thing you guys share as well is you both have yet to go out with me and Avery for dinner, which is fine. You've big leagued us multiple times. I guess you have, I know you have a family and kids and all that type of stuff. Can we lock you in for next year? I, like I said, you're a dive bar guy. Uh, haven't gotten an invite to the dive bar yet, which is fine. But where are we at with that? Is that, can we shoe you in next year? Uh, yeah, yeah. We, uh, We'll we'll do something next year. We'll do it. Jano and I will do it together since oh, we both got awesome. families. So we'll we'll line it up when uh, when we both can get out a night away from the the wife and kids. Um, That's never I was waiting happen, for you Johnny. to start. I was waiting for you to start listing off the guys that you've gone out with because it was going to be probably who was going to be Schneider, Horowitz, Ernie, all guys <laughs> that don't have wives and don't have kids. <laughs> That's what you said to us. That's what you said to us in the field. You were like, yeah, I get, I mean, well, I have a fucking, I have kids. So, I mean, I can't do that shit, but yeah, what, what a group of lads those dudes are, but this is the last question. Obviously those dudes come up and make a massive impact, make, make a massive spark on that team. What was it like for you as a veteran to see, like these young kids make such a massive impact on a club that kind of needed that offensive spark. Yeah. Um, first off, I'm not a veteran, but uh, you are a vet. Come on, you're a grizzled vet. You got 200 major league in the league. That's okay. So that's one of my biggest pet peeves. I'll throw out there right now is the the term "vet" is thrown around way too often. <laughs> it is it is a very loose term. If you do not have 
in my opinion, five to six years in, in the big leagues, you are, you're not a veteran. So next year we can call um, you that. Okay. Yeah. You can call me that next year. <laughs> um, but no, back to that question, the, the, the young this year who all kind of had their, their first stints in the big leagues. I mean, you, you couldn't ask anything more from any of those guys that came up. Every single one of them did what they were supposed to do and, uh, and beyond. I mean, you can single out one guy in particular. We, we all know who I'm talking about, Schneider. Um, I mean, that guy's unbelievable. He went on a stretch that, you know, you, we haven't seen in forever. You know, it's happened maybe like a handful of times in the history of the game. Um, so to be a part of that and to see that firsthand, that was that was pretty cool. That was that was another game I'll never forget too. Even though I didn't play in it, it was his debut in Fenway. Pretty much that whole series was like, what the hell? What is this guy doing? But it was it was cool. Do you guys are, are you guys in the bullpen and just like just watching the game and you're like, what in the fuck? Like it, the vibes in the bullpen must be obviously electric when that guy's on a heater like that. Uh yeah, yeah. I remember. I don't even like. I remember him going on that tear that first week, and we like every time he'd come up, it'd just be like, "All right, like, what's he gonna do this time?" And then home run, double, 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 and we're just all like, well, "This guy's on one of the most ridiculous tears we've ever seen." But it's uh, it's it's fun watching that down in the bullpen. We all kind of get to celebrate it together because we don't get to be in the dugout and high five everybody, so we're out there high fiving ourselves. Camera never pans to us, but. Is there anything that that gets you guys out of the seat there? It's like, is there home runs where you guys get up and celebrate pretty hard? Or is it just you guys just sit in the seats? It's fucking awesome. You guys celebrate that way. Yeah, I mean, for for home runs, definitely. Um, I mean, we we kind of play a game out there where, you know, you get one one shot a game where you get to call a home run. Um, you throw your hat down. So if you ever call one and somebody hits one on your call, then – then the bullpen gets pretty pumped. It's it's fun. Was that Tough everyone fire, with man. the hats down in Oakland then? Was that all at the same time? Yeah, so I actually – I wasn't there. So I remember texting those guys because I took like a little screenshot as I was watching the game. I was like, these fucking guys. Um, and I texted them. And I was like, you guys had this – all these riding. They're like, yeah, we couldn't we couldn't stop it. Like, we're, I think we were down that game. Maybe we came back and won it or something. Um, but they're like, yeah, we're just letting them ride. Everybody left them out there. One guy put. I have a gripe, there. actually. What's that? What were you gonna say? I have a gripe with bullpen guys. I will say this, Avery, and this is like my dumb brain with this. Why the fuck do bullpen guys come onto the field when there is bench clearing brawls? What the fuck are you guys going to do? <laughs> what What are you guys going to do? I always see like in the Astros Rangers series, the entire bullpen clears. What are you guys going to do in that situation? Usually nothing. By the time we're in there, it's over with. <laughs> the, the only one I've been a part of where it's actually still gone on was Seattle and uh, the Angels in 22. We had a pretty good one. Um, I think we came out like twice in, in the same thing. But for the most part, it's like you're not doing anything. And then it's awkward, too, because some bullpens are stacked and you're coming out the same gate as the other team. <laughs> and everybody everybody in um, up by the mound or, or home plate, they're all pissed off at each other, and, and we're kind of jogging in next to the, the other team. We're like, if anything, it should just start our own little brawl. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I don't know. But, yeah, I, I'm I'm with you. It's uh, It's a little bit awkward at times. 
you, you don't want to be that guy who's not involved. If there's a huge brawl, right? Like you can't just be sitting on your hands out there. It's like hockey. You don't get that chance. Like if you're on the bench and you come off the bench, you're suspended forever. It's actually, it's actually kind of genius going out there. It's galaxy. It's, it's yeah, galaxy. Yeah. You got to go out. If, if something happens, you got to go out for sure. Yeah. And then, well, Avery, do you got anything left for our guy? I mean, what a pod. I mean, this is so long overdue. Obviously, I don't want to get you on in season. You're a reliever, so we don't know when you're going to fucking pitch. But I'm happy we got you on the offseason. And we got to do that. You, you got, you're you going to a Jets game at some point. Me and Avery will fly to that game. We will go to that game with you. All right. Yeah, I still got to figure that out. I know they're going to they're gonna leave me tickets at some point, but I just don't know to which game. So I got to pick that out here one of these days. It's only like an hour and a half for me, so it's pretty pretty close. How far is that for us, Ave? Yeah, no, it's pretty close for sure. It's not close. Toronto, it's from Toronto. It's like a two and a half hour flight. Okay, we'll make go, the flight. We'll make the you flight. You go WestJet, you can get like ninety dollar tickets. Okay, all right. My wife Avery, is uh, one thing. We'll do that. Avery, you got anything else for our guy, man? No, I'm good. Appreciate Swanee, you, Swanee, man. It was man. a pleasure, dude. As you know, man. I mean, we'll always be Sw- Eric Swanson guys. We were even before. I remember um on twitter even before i knew who you were we were fighting with blue jays fans that hated the trades so we've always been deep down eric swanson guys and uh we, we appreciate you coming on this taking a chance on the gate 14 boys man and uh we'll always keep in touch we'll see i'll see you next year have the best off season man and uh keep doing your thing brother i it was it was it was awesome to see what you did this year i appreciate it fellas thanks for having me let's do it again all right there you go uh great interview great guy i listen i i i didn't know how uh how much he would say on there and i tried to keep it clean uh he did say after why didn't we talk about the blog to stuff because he was prepared for that obviously uh i just didn't want to throw him and immediately uh go big j journalist on him and start talking about that but um i had to throw that job in there at the start of the interview say he hasn't been uh no hit pieces written about him in two weeks i think he's probably happy for the no hit pieces written about him as a guy who probably doesn't enjoy articles being written about him and his hunting, uh, his hunting work that he enjoys to do in his time off. No, but fucking awesome, dude. Uh, longest one we've done so far. So thanks to Swanee for all the time he gave us. Yeah, just in his fu- in his uh, in his garage. Uh, just the most gritty shit ever. Uh, speaking about Toronto Blue Jays, though, we did it, man. Uh, we won the most coveted, the most prized, an award that you kind of dream about winning at the start of the season. It's not the World Series. This award's only been handed out four times in the history of the universe. It is the Team Gold Glove Award. Just an absolute slap in the fucking face. Just And you know what? That was a big win for all those idiots that said defense wins championships because now it's just all the old heads on Twitter gets to, get, get to say, get to use the dad joke, I guess defense doesn't win championships. <laughs> It wins championships for everywhere but Toronto. Um, but there's another important award. And usually when you combine these two awards, um, you're like ready to win a World Series. And it is the Arizona Fall League Pitcher of the Year Award. Wow. Going to our friend, Big Dick Rick. Congratulations to BDR. Um, I'll tell you what, though, man. I mean, the hype is real. The hype is real. I mean, he's pitching against literally the best prospects in baseball in the Arizona Fall League. Uh, Bryson played there, said had a great time there. Obviously, he said uh, he loved it. Um, I just the, Horowitz the, the also cool said thing, it too. Yeah, everyone said they loved it, and uh, and it's obviously tough. You're not you're not facing bombs. You're not facing low way pitch, low way hitters. The guy shoved. 
I mean, the guy absolutely fucking shoved, I believe, sub two ERA over a decent amount of innings. I'm excited. Five over to see... 18. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I'm excited to see what BDR does here. He, I mean, he looks incredible. He does. There's, yeah, there's not much you can say about it. Every single stop he's been to, he just punches tickets. That's all he fucking does, man. And everyone says his stuff's incredible. So I'm starting to smell BDR in the opening day rotation. Really? Honestly, Avery, that, in my opinion, looking at the free agent class, and I know there's like the Sunny Grays there and stuff like that, but I would rather start Big Dick Rick over a free agent signing that doesn't move the needle for me or a trade. I mean, this team has really good pitching right now. Obviously, the bullpen's kind of made up. Uh, starting rotation, I can maybe, I know we're going to go into trades a little bit. I think you say Coochie might be getting dealt at some point. Um, this is, I mean, this is, this is a guy that I, fuck it. Let the guy, let, let the guy cook. Let him start. Last year was the year to kind of, we thought maybe there'd be a little bit of a call up. No, this year, it's opening day starter, opening day roster. Let's get BDR on there. Yeah. Opening day starter might be a stretch, yeah, but it's going to be Gossman. Obviously that's the most obvious answer. Yeah. 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 For sure. Yeah. Uh, but no, I wouldn't mind it. He's, he's incredible, man. So I'm excited to see him up there. Another big spring will be uh, something that'll just move him along. Like he'll be, he'll see the big league hitters. He'll get his chances. It's the only thing I'm worried about is innings and how they try to monitor that. So yeah. maybe uh, they, like they start, They'll probably start him in the minors as much as I don't want him to and kind of limit some innings, build him up like they did kind of this year because he hasn't really been healthy in either of these years. But when he's on the mound, man, he's he's tough to beat. Yeah. Before we go into the big uh, the big trades and all that type of stuff, uh, the 10 tra- Avery's 10 trades, let's uh, let's go into. So we just recorded the Christmas album. I'll be honest with you, man. Uh, and I want to give a special shout out because this this guy fucking rocks. Uh, the the we're gonna can we call it Gate Fourteen's executive producer is what we're gonna call him. Jake <laughs> Donaldson official. You can follow him on Insta. I didn't realize how big of a following he has on Instagram. Um, Jake Donaldson is his name. Follow him on Twitter. He tweeted at us. He saw it all that type of stuff. He he killed it. I mean, he's absolutely incredible. I I'm not really that musically talented with like understanding the editing and the no you're you're zero percent musically talented when it comes to that. Yeah. So, so well, so am I. Seeing what he was able to do was incredible. I think this album is going to be one hilarious, and two, it's just it's bangers. It's like four just bang, 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 right coming at you live. It's just I'm excited for. It. I really am. We we had no business being in that room at all. Being in that studio, uh, he said it was like we were recording on a six thousand dollar mic. It's like that's not what we should ever be doing. When the yeah. idea, the idea came, I was taking a shit at work, and um, my now girlfriend, lovely woman, said you have to do Christmas pictures. And I tweeted, I texted Johnny, I said, okay, Christmas pictures. And then you tweet out, we're doing a Christmas album. Which is not what I said at Which all. One up, you got to one up it though, man. I mean, listen, we got to get in the spirit and we got to stay relevant somehow. I know we're keeping relevant with all the guests we have on and stuff like that. But the Christmas album, let's just make it a classic that kids like that our fucking kids listen to in fifteen years. You know what I'm saying? Like, and obviously we got a good guy to produce it because this is legit. Like we listened back to the album obviously before. Uh, like that was like we listened to the before it was edited. And like obviously the auto tune and stuff like that, we listened to it before and it was just incredible stuff. So I can't believe I can't wait to see what he does to it to make it sound a little bit better. And he said there's a couple changes he's gonna have to make, but this was insane. It was insane. Johnny is 
He's holding himself short. Johnny can sing, man. That was bullshit what uh, you pulled today. I don't know. I don't know, man. It's like, okay, could I sing maybe? Like, but comparison to like other fucking obviously, people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just like I, I think people will be surprised. I'm just kind of pissed off that people aren't giving me credit so far in the comments saying auto-tune this, auto-tune that. That was without the auto-tune that we played. Like, that was, like, minimal auto-tune. That was just, like, me just singing. So, I guess we'll have to wait and see. I guess we'll have to see what he does to it. Can you hit a high note for us here, then? No, I can't do that. I can. My throat is so fucked. My throat is absolutely fucked. But, like, the thing is, is every artist on the fucking planet uses auto-tune on their albums. Oh, hell yeah. Yeah, it's just like whatever. I guess we'll see. I like I said, it's gonna it's gonna rock. Um, and I can't wait to just use it. You know, our mother's gonna be playing this shit. Like, no, your mom will not play any other Christmas song ever. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Shout out Maria. But uh, yeah, it's gonna it, it's gonna be. It'll probably in a couple of weeks it'll be coming out. We're aiming for the launch date, uh, December first. Uh, and the album cover art's gonna be very funny as well. Um, I want to call the album "Let Me Put Let Us Put Our Christmas Inside of You." <laughs> okay. uh, I mean, yeah, I'm fine. <laughs> that's too long of a fucking title name, though. Uh, but it, let us put our Christmas inside of you. But uh, anyways, Avery, it's your moment now. You have orchestrated. You have crafted ten trades for the people. It's a very requested thing. I'm excited to listen to it. We'll go one by one. That's a lot. That's a lot of fucking trades. Okay. We'll go one by one and I will rank them. And then we'll just cut the show off at the end of this. And we'll have, maybe the listeners can rank it or whatever. And we'll just maybe put a poll up on Twitter, but uh, here we go. All right. So I want to preface this by saying, I didn't think about the other's team needs. So okay. whoever, that's perfect. Whoever they're trading with, I didn't give a fuck about a contract. I didn't give a fuck about what they need. This was pretty much me trying to fleece everyone else, but not actually fleecing them. Yeah. We begin trade number one. Jimmy Heaters traded to the Milwaukee Brewers for shortstop prospect Eric Brown Jr. Let me tell you a couple things about Eric Brown Jr. Okay, let's hear it. Great swing. Great swing. He has the coolest swing in all of baseball, and it is not even fucking close. He's in the Arizona Fall League right now. Shortstop prospect, like I said. Another thing, he wears the number double zero. Is there anything cooler than that? He's fucking awesome. This season, um, played 72 games. He stole 39 bags. Wow. Holy shit. Okay. So he's a little sneaky lad. He's a little sneaky lad. He's barely played games in the minors the last two seasons. But kid can fucking rake. Kid can fucking fly on the base path. So... You don't know Eric Brown Jr. Look up his swing. It is one of my favorites in all of baseball. Okay, that's one. I like that. I I don't care about tra- prospect trade, but that is a good move for the future standpoint. Maybe a guy that could maybe get moved. I don't know. We'll say we'll move him to third. Fuck it. We'll we'll talk about moving him to third once uh, Bo signs a big time ticket here, or uh, move him to second, or we'll figure something out. But I do like that. I I saw the swing you showed me at work. Absolutely incredible swing. Absolutely it, incredible swing. Um. Teacher man probably doesn't love the swing, um, but I'm yeah. sure YJ's does, so that's fine. Yeah. The yeah. next one, the same Jimmy Garcia gets traded to the St. Louis Cardinals. This is my favorite trade that we've done. I think it's realistic and could happen for Cardinals outfielder Tyler O'Neill. Okay, but do do you think that the Jays would have to add some 
prospect they'd yeah. add in as well. Yeah, like it probably like uh, there's Jimmy too many Gar- cooks in that kitchen in the outfield in St. Louis, man. Yeah, like a Far Jimmy Gar- a Jimmy Garcia and like like a low like a 25th ranked prospect for the Jays, maybe something yes. like that. Yes, that might have to happen. Yeah. They might have to yeah. add him in, but they're done. Like I'm pretty sure they're done with Tyler O'Neill. They're they're him. Oh and- yeah, he was beefing the coach, right? Yeah, and then it's like trying to get him out of there. Dylan Carlson, like they, they're trying, they're willing to trade, get these guys away. There's probably another prospect involved in this trade, but my Tyler O'Neill point one Canadian. Yep, you have to trade for that guy. Two, he's super fucking jacked. Very Adds jacked. To the aura of this baseball. You know what, team. Avery? That's a good point. This team is lacking. Really, really, really jacked guys, right? I do have a problem with really jacked guys. Yeah, um, okay. It's the, because they pull muscles too easily. Yes. Yeah, muscle pulls easier than fat. Yes. Alejandro Kirk, how many muscles has he pulled? None. None. Literally zero. So there is something to be said about that. And then we see Mike Stanton on the Yankees over there. He pulls muscles all the time. But we go back to 2021. Tyler O'Neill's a problem. You said he's a bum. You're wrong. 2021, he had a 912 OPS, 34 home runs, stole 15 bags. Oh my God. Okay. Healthy Tyler O'Neill is a fucking problem, Johnny. And if he okay. is in Blue Jays Blue, that is what I'm, we need. I'm listening. I'm listening. Okay. Love that trade. What's the next one? This is one you're not going to know any players involved. Leo Jimenez from the Blue Jays and Ryan Jennings go to the Chicago White Sox for outfielder Oscar Colas. Oscar Colas. Let me tell you about Oscar Colas. He is a left-handed outfielder, uh, left-handed hitter. They called him the Cuban Otani when he was coming to America. Cuban Otani? So he used to be a two-way player. They kiboshed that. No more pitching for Oscar Colas. But he had some big league time. It wasn't great at the plate this year for Oscar Colas. The White Sox are in shit. They need to sell off their assets. I don't know if they're getting enough back in this deal, but I love Oscar Colas as a player. He hit 314 with 23 tanks in the minors last year. He is, at this point in his career, he's a 4A player. He's too good for AAA. Hasn't found it at the big league level yet, uh, but he has a fucking pretty swing. Only one year in the show, it yeah, says. Just, just this year. Okay. Um, I don't hate that. And he's kind of up and down. Left-handed hitting outfielder. He's got a place to be in this outfield. Um, they can play him as well. Don't hate that. That that trade right now is on the bottom of my the bottom of my depth chart for me. That no, doesn't this one's gonna be at the bottom of your depth chart. This one coming up? Three team trade. Okay. I love I love a good three team. I say it. I love a good three team trade. This love is between it. the Toronto Blue Jays, the Atlanta Braves, and the Pittsburgh Pirates. It ends us up with one of my favorite left-handed pitching prospects. Okay. And it sends Santiago Espinal to the Braves, sends Brandon Shoemake to the Pirates, and Hunter Barco, former Florida Gators left-hander, becomes a Toronto Blue Jay. Just put that at the bottom of your list. That was kind of a throw-in. I wanted to do a three-team trade for shits. Love a three-team trade. Love a good three-team trade. Brandon Shoemake, best one of the best, best, best friends of Bryson's thought, so I'm familiar with him. I've played Fortnite with him a couple times. Good kind of player. Really- yeah, he's a Fortnite guy. Hasn't really had many opportunities uh, in the show. I think he got called up for a little bit. Um, but, yeah, don't hate that. The Pir- I mean, three-team trades are incredible. They fire me up. They're just I, – I love seeing a good three-team trade, trying to understand who's going where, what's happening. It's awesome. And I just can just picture 
the phone call, like a three-way phone call discussing that, it's it's, it's hilarious. It's all time. More three-team trades, man. I would love to see that. Next, we go to trade number five. Alec Manoa gets traded to the Pittsburgh Pirates for Rowanzi Contreras and Dory Morata. Let me tell you about this Dory Morata chat. Yeah, gonna need to hear that. He pulled out a wad of cash on a major league field this year. He says it's money time or something like that every time he pitches and comes off the mound. He is the coolest reliever in all of baseball that no one knows about. He throws a slider that spins the wrong way on purpose. Whoa! It is a problem as well. Uh, And Rowanzi Contreras, I think I've got a crazy obsession for Rowanzi Contreras. I think he has some of the... so good. He should be so good. Exactly. Pistol Pete Walker gets his hands on Rowanzi Contreras, and we have the best pitcher in the whole fucking world. I'm telling you that. I'm loving that. I am... I don't think that trade will ever happen. Fuck no, it'll never happen. But I'm loving it. I'm loving that trade. Yes. I'm telling you, Rowanzi and Pete is like... Yeah, it's... Jordan and Pippen. Yeah, it's like, listen, Pete Walker, people forget he revived fucking Steven Matz. Imagine what he could do with a guy with actual raw talent that's nasty. Yeah, that's what I'm saying, Johnny. Trade number six. Yosfer Zulueta and Yusei Kikuchi get traded to the Miami Marlins for one of Edward Cabrera or Max Meyer. Max Meyer's interesting. A former first-round pick from uh, Minnesota. I think he went to Minnesota. He did indeed go to Minnesota, yeah, Johnny. I know ball. I know ball. Um, kind of struggled a little bit. Didn't really get that much of an opportunity. Doesn't, I mean, I don't think. Tommy he, John he had. Yeah, okay. Tommy John, right? Tommy John. Bouncing back, told you, listen, and I'll say this, and I might clip this. Um, You could honestly convince me that any single pitcher will play under Pete Walker and be good. Like any, any, you could, you could convince me that Pete Walker will fix anyone. Like you could throw you out there and Pete Walker will somehow find a way for you to pitch effectively with a torn labrum. That's how fucking good Pistol Pete is. And Swanee alluded to it earlier in the show today, how good Pete Walker is. So just give me all the raw talent motherfuckers here. Give me them. Give me them. I think no trade gets done because Miami has uh, an embarrassment of riches for uh, starting pitching prospects. But I think uh, a deal could get made. Probably not with the guys I put in there, but Miami has the starting pitching. Uh, you can go find someone there. All right. You say Kikuchi is involved in another trade. Otto Lopez and you say Kikuchi to the twins for Jorge Polanco. And I threw in my good friend, Jordan Balazovic. Okay. A little bit of a pandering pick there. Cause you got, you do know the guy. Um, I don't, I'm not quite familiar with Jorge Polanco's game. Switch hitter. Uh, he 255 play- last year, 14 nukes, 454 slog, 789 OPS. I don't hate that. He would kind of slot in there. Tough thing is, though, that would be taking reps, or, uh, reps away from uh, David Schneider, which kind of sucks. Um, yep. But I don't hate that trade either. It's a very Ross Atkins trade, I believe, when we think we have David Schneider penciled into second baseman to just trade for another guy who's going to be there instead of him. Yeah, don't hate that, Dave. Don't hate that So at all. Him, like- and, him and Max Kepler signed deals uh, or qual- signed their qualifying offers or something from the Twins, and now they're talking about moving on from – one or even both of those guys. So I think you can make a deal for Jorge Polanco, someone I believe they've been linked to before. Not totally sure. Don't hate that. The thing is, though, is uh, 
Yusei Kikuchi will, I think they're going to sell high on him this offseason. I think there will be a little bit of a high ceiling, or not high ceiling, highest value trade for him. People talking about trade Manoa this, trade Manoa that. This is where you're going to get the least amount of value for Alec Manoa, who at one point was one of the best pitchers in the American League. That would be kind of dumb to trade him. But Yusei Kikuchi, after that season last year, I mean, he has to be a hot commodity, a, like a, a very intriguing piece for a team that needs starting pitching and the Jays need a bat. So I, I do think that is like a very, very high percent chance that he does get dealt, especially on how friendly as contract is. Some teams might not find it as friendly as Rogers do, but yeah. uh, that's fine. All right. We're trading Alec Manoa again. Seven. This is trade seven. Alec Manoa gets dealt to the Cleveland guardians for two prospects, Tanner Burns, uh former first rounder out of Auburn and chase DeLauder first rounder out of james madison he has that weird lefty swing you remember i showed you his fall yeah. was really weird yeah um i think he's gonna be legit at the big league level the swing is unorthodox the fall through is unorthodox i think those are two good players you can do that deal if you're done with alec manoa i think uh, yeah that's a trade if alec manoa pretty much like requests one like that's like, like if alec manoa is not comfortable with ross um or not comfortable with like coming back here and just the thinks that it's like he needs to start a new chapter. Maybe this is a trade that happens middle of next season or something like that. If he does uh, struggle or if he just does, if he's not happy here, maybe, but yeah, I, I mean, I, I don't know that much about both those prospects, but former first rounders are obviously always intriguing based off of like the projectability they have. Yep. So uh, you get him into the Cleveland guardians pitching lab instead of the Pete Walker lab. Uh, some special things can happen there. So uh, that's number eight. Now we get into two fun ones back to back. Okay. Vladimir Guerrero Jr. gets <laughs> traded to the Chicago Cubs for Jordan Wicks, Matt Mervis, and Ian Happ. I think that's a pretty even trade. Jordan Wicks is fucking nasty. Um, Matt so Mervis is Ian Happ. Is really good. That's a trade you make if you have something else in the works of a first baseman that is going to be a everyday guy on the Toronto Blue Jays. But that war from Vladdy last year is not, it's not hard to. So make I went, that. I went on this trade chart. Um, I can try and find the website here. I forget what it's called. Oh man. It's called baseball trade values.com trade the simulator. Vladdy. I kind of sorted it by their surplus. I don't fucking don't even know what it means. Kind of tells you their value where they are at. And Vladdy's, is like the worst on the Blue Jays. Pretty yeah. much no value they have in this chart. So they said this is the worst deal of all time can, um, according to that trade simulator, but I think it's something that could possibly get done. Like, yeah, I would kind of look cool in a Cubs uniform. I'll say it. He would, he would. I don't think I don't, he's ever going to get traded, but I also don't think he ever gets traded. That's why it's part of the 10 trades that are. Yeah, but this is hypotheticals, man. That's all it is. Hypotheticals. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Ricky Tiedemann, Aurelvis Martinez, Yosur Zulueta, and Brandon Barriera get traded to the San Diego Padres for Juan Soto. Whoa! Yeah. Yeah. Trade but number 10. This is my thing. That's a trade that gets the juices flowing there a little bit. My thing with that is, is you have to pretty much guarantee it's a sign and trade. It's like a sign and trade type of situation. Where Juan Soto will be here forever. I'm just picturing, and I know this is like this trade has the probably the lowest project like probability of actually happening out of all these trades. A lot of them kind of are crazy too. But imagine Juan Soto in Toronto. 
Holy shit. Him and Vladi in the same lot. Him, Vladi, Bo, uh, middle of that order. Then you have Springer up hitting leadoff. Schneids. Ah, uh, fuck me. That would be incredible. Then a bounce back year from these guys, like Vladi, obviously. And then uh, Kirk and Jano. What a lineup that would be. And then obviously that kind of makes that, that Juan Soto and left. Be incredible, Avery. I'm all in on that one. Trade the fucking... Trade the entire fucking farm for Juan Soto. I don't give a shit. Trade everyone. Everyone with a pulse. Agreed. Agreed. Have to. Have that's, to. But yeah, I, I really trades. like. The t- I like the tenth one. I think. I think the most realistic one would probably be the St. Louis Cardinals situation, uh, or the Twins situation. Sorry, um, for Polanco. And I've. I mean, Polanco could be a good fit here. Obviously, a second baseman, which is what the Jays kind of need here, especially. Um, with the question marks, and I know with Schneider last year, he deserved a shot to be the everyday starting second baseman. But um, yeah, that's not a bad option to have. I, I think that my favorite one, obviously, because I like just the big time names, is number 10. I, I want Soto here would be fucking incredible. Absolutely incredible. Him and Vladi in the same lineup. Are you kidding me? Um, yeah, give me that shit. And I know him and Vladi are close friends, obviously. Um, but yeah, that would just be incredible. Which one was yours? Like, which what was your favorite one that you made? The Rowanzi one is my favorite. Yeah, that's a really good one too. I, I Rowanzi's just. I remember it, when he started his big league career. I was like, this guy is maybe the best pitcher. Ever. He's insane. He had uh, some of the advanced metrics on his fastball in his first month. Uh, like someone with a really good fastball. He had Chris Sale's slider, something else, and he kind of fell off the wagon a little bit there in Pittsburgh. But they can't develop shit. No, for that fucking can't. team. But I also want to give a special shout out to uh, Blue Jays Mario for uh, going up, blowing up on Twitter that Otani and Kikuchi had dinner in Toronto, and then that fucking bum Marty York or Matty York or the fuck his name is getting duped by it all time. Classic, hilarious. Uh, just that's the off season. We're, we are in. I mean, this is probably our first big big off season, a part of Gate fourteen. Like Gate fourteen, as big as it is right now, having a like the, like just kind of being locked into the trenches and seeing all the crazy shit like Dr. Internet and YJs are like retweeting Tanner Roark signings and shit like that from BNS. So it's just, it, the off season sucks, man, but it is good to kind of have this like relaxation period where we can kind of get closer with the players. I mean, obviously me and you were playing fucking Fortnite with Bassett for four hours <laughs> on Monday. He's just the best. And uh, what a guy, by the way. And obviously I appreciate all listeners playing Fortnite with me and, Obviously, it's been a little bit hectic uh, with the amount of times that people have added me and joined my party and stuff like that. I swear, I'll promise I'll get to all of you. Um, but Fortnite being back is incredible. Fuck me. All time. We've played a lot. It's, it brought me back to the reason I got dropped out of school was because I was addicted to playing Fortnite pretty much. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So anyways, uh, next week, there will not be a guest because me and Avery are on the road with uh, Owner's Box. We're uh, doing a match and trip. So uh watch that that vlog's gonna be absolutely electric uh starts on tuesday we'll yeah that's, back that's johnny and avery being back in the midwest road dogs <laughs> um but yeah uh love you guys man next week it'll just be us kind of snapping it around a little bit maybe maybe i'll get i'll see if i can maybe get a beat writer on pod next week maybe so we're we'll gonna talk. do a, i think we should do a big listener questions pod yeah a big listener questions pod or maybe we'll get like a keegan matheson on or something like that and just kind of snap it around a little bit but as always man love you guys uh, gate 14 forever thank you for the support even in the off season the download numbers have been pretty good on all the all the stuff so can't be here without you guys and uh one step closer to the season love you guys anything else avery no nope.